0: I'm also excited about our speaker. Um, Mark has been to Heartland many times, and I feel blessed that he's come. He's brought part of his family, like the female side of the family is all here with him, um, and so he comes from down from Southern California, Living Water Ministries, where he is the senior, did I, did I get this right, the senior vice president, did I get it right? Is that it? Something like that, of Living Water Ministries, um, and you'll see a lot of videos, he, he just has a passion for Jesus, for sharing the hope in knowing Christ. And I just, I love to, he sends me, when he puts out a new video, he sends me one. And I just loved it to hear him interacting on the street with people who are non-believers and just sharing the truth. And the truth is a rare commodity in our society, but God's word is that truth. And so I love his passion for God's word, his love for Jesus, love for family. And so let's welcome Mark as he comes And shares God's word.
1: All right. How are we doing? Is everybody from California? Anybody outside of California? We are all California people. Nice. Well, welcome to the state that definitely leans left. All right. So my name is Mark. Spence, I teach evangelism, and I teach apologetics. I teach people how to share the gospel. The gospel, it means good news, right? It's the Greek word euangelion. It's used 77 times in the New Testament, and I teach people how to really defend it. Anybody heard the word apologetics out there? Big, ugly word or it comes from the Greek word apologia means to defend the faith, to defend it. And what I would like to do over these next several days is teach you how to defend the faith. We will definitely be getting into the gospel, which means good news. But before we get into the gospel, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation, if I may, and deal with another subject called truth. Truth. Anybody know what the ninth commandment is? Any of you guys up here know what the ninth commandment is? What do you think? The ninth commandment. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. Anybody? Yes. Love God. Don't lie. Yes, don't lie. And why is that? Why are we commanded not to lie? Anybody have an answer for that? What do you think? Why shouldn't we lie? Or do we just lie? It's no big deal, right? Why should we not lie? Ever think about that for a moment? The ninth commandment, God says you shall not lie, but what's wrong with lying? Yes. Because it's sin. Yes, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. But why is it sin? You ever think about that? If I exaggerate a little bit, white lies, half-truths, fibs. But why is it such a big deal? And here's why it is such a big deal. It's because God is not a liar. God is not a liar, and he desires truth in the inward parts. You see, truth is so important to God. But he says he cannot lie, and he goes on to say, and you can read about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 8. It says, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. It means lying is very important to God. So if lying is very important for us not to do, that means truth is also very important. God always wants us to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us, God. Now, what is truth? You know, I often go out onto the college campuses, and I ask people, what is truth? You know, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to speak to an NFL football team called the Denver Broncos, right before they played the San Diego Chargers. And when I was all done speaking, One of the players, he was an all-pro player, he came up to me and he said, the Bible is filled with mistakes. And I said, I agree with you. The Bible is filled with mistakes. The first mistake was when man rejected God back in the garden. Don't be like that man. And those are the sort of mistakes that you're going to see in the Bible when men reject God and try to live on their own. But there are no lies and there are no contradictions found in the Bible. Now, many people have tried to find some. And we're going to maybe deal with that if we have time. Napoleon said, man will believe anything as long as it's not inside the Bible. Today, there is a battle for truth. What is true? Because what may be true for you may not be true for me, and what might be true for me may not be true for her. So this is why we need the Bible. You see, the Bible is not one book. It's 66 books. It's a library. 66 books written over a period of almost 1,500 years on at least three different continents with at least 40 different authors with many different occupational backgrounds. And the Bible tells us one central story. One theme, it tells us how man can avoid hell and come into a relationship with God who knows how to make sunsets and seafood jambalaya soup. He's put it in the heart of man to be able to create different things. This is the God who has called us into fellowship. Truth ought to govern our lives and ought to be the hook by which We hang our very hats. But we live in a very confused time, don't we? So confusing. In fact, I was out on the Huntington Beach Pier not too long ago. You can look it up on our YouTube channel. Type in Living Waters. And a couple months ago, I had walked up to different people and I said, Hey, would you have a problem if I told you that I identify as a female? And it has more than a million views on this video. And everybody I talked to said, "I would have no problem with that. Now we're from California, right?" And I said, "Well, would you have a problem if I told you that I identify as a black female?" I said, "Well, I, if you want to identify as a black female, I guess you can identify as a black female." And I said, "Well, what if I told you that I want to identify?" as a 65-year-old black female, the social security benefits. They said, well, that seems a little odd. And I said, well, why does that seem odd? Because words have meaning. You see, we live in a confused time where if you have been born a male and you want to identify as a female, some people say you can do that. And if you've been born a female and you want to identify as a toaster oven, well, then you can do that as well. Because everything is in the beauty of the eyes of the beholder. There is no right and there's no wrong. There's no good and there's no bad. There's no sacred. There's no secular. Things just are what they are. But that's not what the Bible says. We must have our belief system and our values based solely upon the Bible. We live in a confused time. And if you desire to swim upstream against the current of current affairs, you're going to be met with anger and disdain. And who knows, one day, someday perhaps, you might even be put into prison. But until that time, and even at that time, we're going to trust what the Word of God has to say. George Orwell, he said, the further a society drifts from the truth, it's going to hate those who proclaim it. But we must not bend our knee to our culture and our society today. And though salvation is a free gift, it cost Jesus his very life. And we must remember, maybe one day it could cost us ours. And John 16, verse 33, it says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Truth does not expire. Milk expires. Truth does not expire. It does not bend. We must rely upon the truth. I was open-air preaching, kind of a weird word, in Uh, Southern California in a city called Long Beach. And I was there at Long Beach College. And as I was there, there was a gentleman who was a professor who came up to my microphone. And I have these really big cameras and these big boom mics. And it's being videotaped for my television program. It's called The Way of the Master. I have a couple other people. They're not as handsome as me. Ray Comfort. Emil Zwayne and Oscar Navarro, they're pretty smart guys, but they're not as good looking. Well, I had a gentleman, he was a professor, and he was there. He steps up to the microphone, and the first thing he said, the Bible is not true. And I said, oh, well, do you believe in absolute truth? And you know what he said? No. I do not believe in absolute truth. And I said, is there a such thing as absolute truth in any way, shape, or form? And he goes, no, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And then I said, is that true? Is it true that there's no such thing as truth? And he said, yes, there is no such thing as truth. And I said, well, you're contradicting yourself now. Is it okay to contradict yourself when you communicate? Are you allowed to say one thing one moment, say something completely different the next moment? When you communicate, are you allowed to do that? And he said, yes, you are allowed to do that. And you know what I said? Oh, so you're not allowed to do that. And I just started contradicting him. No, you are allowed to contradict yourself. Oh, so you're not allowed to contradict yourself. No, you are allowed to contradict. No, I hear you. He goes, you're not paying attention to me. I said, no, I am paying attention to you. I don't think you're paying attention to yourself because you said contradictions are allowed, to which now I say contradictions are not allowed. I had to get him to think for just a moment, and he goes, ah. I said, I'll tell you what. Give me two minutes uninterrupted, and he had a couple hundred students that are around, and we're going to release this video pretty soon on our YouTube channel. Don't interrupt me, and then I'm going to give you the final two minutes, and I'm going to allow you to speak about whatever you want to speak about. Fair? And he goes, fair. I spoke, he spoke, he walked away, and about 30 minutes later, he came back. And he said, hey, uh, would, you, would you do me a solid, and uh, would you not air that footage anywhere? And I said, well, why not? And he goes, well, look, I, I have no doubt in my mind that you're not going to make me look like a buffoon. I did that myself. Now, I'm just going to ask you not to, li- not to release that footage. And I said, listen, I'm not the producer, but you're teaching a whole generation of students that there is no such thing as truth, that there is no such thing as right or wrong, and there's no such thing as lying. You can lie if you want to. He said, I don't have time to talk. I got to go teach my class. And I said, you have a class right now? What do you teach? You know what he said? Debate. I teach people how to debate. But I said, how about a substitute teacher? Allow me to come and teach your class, impromptu. And he said, yeah, not on your life. And I said, how about we meet for coffee? And he said, sure. So the following Friday we did. We met for coffee right there at Long Beach State. And I said, hey, how about we have a debate? You teach debate, let's have a debate inside your debate class, one of your forum classrooms. We can advertise it, I could film it. And he said, not on your life. And I said, why not? And he said, well, I teach from an ivory tower. I don't actually debate. I said, what if I give you all my notes in advance and you can study all my notes a month in advance so you know exactly where I'm coming from? And he said, no, not in your life. And I said, sir, you're the reason why we will air the footage. Because there is such thing as right. There is such thing as wrong. And we know this because God has given every one of us a conscience and he's given us the word of God. The word con means with, and the word science means knowledge, that every time we lie, or we steal, or we do something that's wrong, or even right, we do it with knowledge that it's right, or that it's wrong. Well, truth is a very important thing, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but we don't have the original Bible. We don't have any of those 66 books. Were you aware of that? We don't have the original Bible. No, we know exactly what is in the Bible. We know what should be in the Bible. That's not hard to put together, but we don't have the original. It's called autographs. Those books, those letters have come up missing for good reason. But the earliest New Testament manuscript we have, it's actually found in the John Rylands Museum. They're in Manchester, England. I was in England about two months ago. And they're inside this museum. It has the John Ryland's manuscript or fragment. It's called the P52. What a weird name for a manuscript. P stands for what? Anybody have any idea? Any homeschool, knowledgeable Bible students out there? What does the P stand for in P52? Nice and loud if you know it. If not, just mumble something. (laughs) Papyrus. Yes, leave it to my daughter to answer the question. It stands for papyrus. That means that this fragment was written on papyrus. Now, it's called P52. 52 means it was the 52nd papyrus found in that family. But it's also the oldest New Testament fragment that we have. Why is this important? Anybody have any idea what's written on it? The oldest New Testament fragment closer to the actual date in which it was written, it's found in the It's a portion of the Gospel of John. It's spoken by a man named Pontius Pilate. Does that give you a clue? What is truth? What a sense of humor God has. What is truth? The greatest question ever to be asked to the greatest authority on the subject, Jesus Christ. And then Pontius Pilate washed his hands and he walked away. Before he got an answer. What is truth? What is it? Well, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John chapter 17. Truth is so important. Men die for the truth. And so they should. I had the opportunity to have lunch with a gentleman who had written 22 different commentaries. That is a lot of different commentaries, 22 different commentaries. And the question was asked, why did you write 22 different commentaries? And for those of you that don't know what a commentary is, and the gentleman's name is R. Kent Hughes, a commentary is a book that tells us what we're reading inside the Bible. So if you turn to the Gospel of John And you read a passage and you're all, I'm not really familiar with that passage. Then I grab a hold of a commentary. People that are really smart that have written what I'm, they've written on what I'm reading. And they give me explanation. They tell me about culture and customs and tradition so I can know the right thing. You know, for example, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Do you know if he was in Mexico, he would not have said he's the bread of life. He probably would have said, I'm the carne asada of life. Or if he was in China, he would have said, I'm the rice of life. But if you go to Israel, and I've been to Israel a few times, you're going to see like bread carts in different areas because that's a staple, a necessity that people eat even to this day. Well, commentaries will open those things up. And so the question was asked to him, why? Why have you written 22 of these books? You are so smart. And I'll never forget his answer. He said, we live in a photoshopped world. Everyone and everything is lying to us or giving us just half truths. Every billboard has been photoshopped. Every counseling appointment, I'm getting a skewed viewpoint. And I knew that I could approach God's word, the Bible. And I can put my guard down. And for me. The Bible became my ultimate sanity. In a world that's going to lie to me, I knew that God was not going to lie to me. So I knew that I could just approach God's word. In a world that is going to continually lie to you, you can approach God's word because it is truth. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to God's word. One of my favorite passages inside the Bible is found in Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one, it says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law. He meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And listen to this and whatever he does shall prosper. Can you imagine having that special superpower that everything you touch turns to gold, or every venture you go out, every thing that you'll ever do? It's just right. It's perfect. You make the correct decision continually. Well, the Bible says if you meditate, you read the Bible the way a cow will eat its food. You know, a cow has several stomachs. Did you know that? That a cow can eat its food, regurgitate it, chew on it again. Gross, right? swallow it again, it goes into another stomach, throws it up again, chews on it a little bit more, goes down into the stomach. Well, that's what we need to do with God's word. People often ask me, do you read the word of God in the morning? Or do you read it at night? Or when's your devotion time? When do you have devos? And the answer is Yes. Yes. I seek God's face in the morning before I seek my wife's face. I seek the face of God. I open up God's word because I know God is not going to lie to me. And I happen to be going through the Bible, the whole Bible, in three years. It's a great reading plan. I'm doing it with my wife, and I'm doing it with some friends, and we text each other all the time. Right now we're in Ezekiel, and we're just confused about wheels and wheels inside of wheels and all these crazy things, but we're able to talk about it. And for those that dive deeper, they can read a commentary, they can read a book to understand what is going on. I share with my kids that Satan mocks their scripture a day reading, or I'm just going to read our daily bread. Or I'm going to read the proverb of the day. We need to step it up a little bit, if that's what you read, because we must meditate day and night. We must hide God's word in our heart so that we do not sin against him. His word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish. It divides where God wants it to divide, and it never will return void. I love it the number one reason why people reject truth is because they don't want anyone telling them how to live their life. I was doing a television special with a gentleman named Ken Ham. Anybody heard of Ken Ham with the art? He's got a really big boat. I tell him that you have a big boat and he hates that because it's not a boat. It's a ship. Right. And I say, I asked him the question. I said, could this, uh, I mean, if it rained enough, could this boat float? He says, no, you nimnu, it's a museum. I said, okay, I'm glad we had that talk. Well, in talking to Ken Ham, he had a debate with a gentleman named Bill Nye, the not-so-science guy. And before he debated him, he had asked me the question, who do you think going to win the debate? And I said, I think whoever shares the gospel is going to win the debate. And I'm not expecting too much from bill nye and so he did he shared the gospel and we must get back to the gospel and we're going to dive down deep into what the gospel is the gospel is a very important uh piece of our ministry well i was doing some filming with him and there was a gentleman a i think he was 19 years old he came up to the microphone and he asked this question he said You cannot trust the Bible because the Bible was written by men, and everybody knows that men make mistakes. How would you answer that question? Because he is right. We all make mistakes. Well, what I said to him was, are you trying to secretly tell me that we we should not trust public school science textbooks? Because those are written by men? Because I agree with you there. I mean, they teach that we've evolved from goo to you by way of the zoo. I don't, I don't believe that. We're just molecules in motion, making decisions. And if we're all just kind of making decisions, then nobody's making a wrong decision. We're just making decisions because there is no right or wrong. I said, how old are you? And he said, well, I'm like 19 years old. And I said, you're 19. How would you prove to me that you're 19 years old? You know what he said? Well, I have a driver's license. I said, written by who? He said, well, by men. I go, "Ah. Well, you can't use your driver's license. What would you use since you can't use your driver's license because that's written by men? And everybody knows that men make mistakes." They said, well, I have a birth certificate. I said, written by who? It says, ah, written by men. So you do believe certain things written by men, but you just want to pick and choose what you want to believe. And I dare to say, you don't have a problem with the word of God. You have a problem with the God of the word. And isn't it true? It's been said that sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. Because the more we meditate on it, the more we will see it to be true, and we can trust him with our lives. It's important. I have a friend who said, if you want God to speak to you, well, then read the Bible. If you want God to speak to you out loud, well, then read the Bible out loud. You don't need to look for something extra and special. We have enough. We can approach God's word, put our guard down, and for us, it can become our ultimate sanity. When I'm on the college campuses, I will usually draw a crowd. And I will invite people to communicate what their religion is or what their worldview is. And I will start off by saying something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mark Spence. Uh, I'm a Christian, and I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. I believe that Christianity is intelligent, and it can handle the hardest-hitting questions you've ever thought about, questions such as, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? And what's going to happen to me when I die? And if you've asked these questions, you're in good company, because we've all asked these sort of questions. But you need to be careful. Because somebody also once said, be careful with the questions you ask, because there's answers. You know, if you consider all the major religions of the world, they all claim to point to truth, don't they? Nobody wants to say that they believe a lie. In the Hindu scriptures, it says that truth is mysterious. Buddha said that he was still searching for the truth. Muhammad said that he pointed people to the truth. But Jesus said he was the truth. He never said that truth was mysterious or elusive or hard to find. He never said that he pointed people to the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then these provocative words dripped from his mouth like honey. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus never spoke from authority. The prophets of old, we read about them in the Bible. The prophets spoke from authority. Jesus never spoke from authority. He only spoke with authority. And with authority, he hushed the sea to sleep, and he tucked it into bed at night. He made the blind see and the deaf hear. He made the lame walk. Nobody speaks like this man speaks. He was able to forgive people of their sins. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. It doesn't matter who is president. He will always be king. And you can get to know him as you open up God's word, the Bible, your copy, your copy of God's word will never leave you high and dry. Well, listen Over these next few days, I'm going to be talking about some really good things. Questions such as, if God is so loving and so good and so powerful, why is there suffering in the world? You ever wonder that? That's the number one question we get. I'm going to deal with that question tomorrow. Where's God when evil and bad things happen? Or... How do you talk to an atheist, somebody who pretends there is no God? And I'm going to deal with a lot of other questions. And the next day, I'm going to take two lessons to deal with this question. If God is so loving, why would he ever send somebody to hell? You ever ask yourself that question? I mean, hell is a very long time. How can a God of love ever do that? And then we're going to finish off the following day on Sunday. Dealing with, if I knew that I was going to die the next day, what would I share with my kids that day? If I could preach my own sermon at my own funeral, what would I share? If I only had 30 minutes to talk to them, and that's how long we're going to take each day. Each message is going to be 30 minutes long. I won't go over. Don't hold me to that, but I won't go over. So you stick with me, and we're going to point and look to Jesus Christ. We're going to open up God's word, and we're going to answer some difficult questions. And I'm going to be hanging out, able to answer your questions. I don't have all the answers, but I can point you to somebody who does or a website that does or I could perhaps answer the question on the spot. There's, a, there's not a lot of difficult questions that are out there. Like I said, Christianity is intelligent. And when I'm back on those college campuses, I say to the people, look, you believe something different than I do. That does not make us enemies. We can agree to disagree and go our way and get a cup of coffee, unless you're Mormon, and we'll get a, an ice water because you don't drink caffeine but we're not enemies. And so this week, if you don't agree with what your parents believe, if you don't believe what your kids believe, I'm going to be hanging out in the open. Don't be afraid to come up and just chat. Remember, every friend you have inside your life at this point was once a stranger. Two strangers becoming friends talking about the most important matters that face us today. Who am I? What is the meaning of life? What's going to happen to me when I die? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the simplicity of your word. We do desire to be sanctified by your word, by your truth. May you do what you need to do to work inside of us that work that you're calling from us. May we enjoy ourselves with games and humor and good food. But Father, may we not lose sight of why we are truly up here, which is to know you and to make you known. So draw the families closer together, God. May it be a tight family nuclear unit May you do whatever you need to do to receive the greatest glory due to your name. We will celebrate it in advance. We will thank you in advance. For you truly are worthy of all worship, worthy of all honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.